Welcome to the Maps Communications 2020 podcast, a series of podcasts where we explore various archives and collections. My name is Faith Williams and I'm joined today by Anne Locker, Library and Archive Manager for the Institute of Engineering and Technology. Anne, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us about how you came to be in your position? Hi, yeah, no, my name's Anne um, and I've been working at the um, IET in various capacities for actually over 20 years now, it's a long time, um, and I manage the library and the archive collections. Um, so I started off as an assistant archivist um, really near the beginning of my career and have kind of, um, carried on um, finding out more about the IET's collections and how we can make them accessible and, um, and open to, to researchers and to our members as well. So what type of uh, material is in the collection? Um, I mean, it's a fantastic collection because I'm biased. Um, <laughs> it's, and we're designated as well, and, and all of our collections are designated. So the library, the archive, and our rare books collection. Um, and um, it's, a, it's a great collection for the history of engineering, and specifically the history of electrical engineering, um, which is one of our, one of our strengths. Um, but we, it goes from early medieval manuscripts on um, engineering technology to uh, kind of modern uh, electronic books and journals with pretty much everything in between, including a huge range of archive material and rare books. So um, if you're interested in anything to do with the history of engineering technology, um, we, we can probably find something to, to suit you. So since you have presumably a, a large amount of modern stuff too, does it come in um, different formats? Do you have video and audio and stuff like that? Um, for, the, for the modern material, it's mostly things like ebooks and e-journals and so on. Um, but we are starting to collect more and more, as many archives are, um, more and more born digital records and formats. So um, things like audiovisual material, um, but also kind of um, born digital documents as well. Um, and that's a different challenge in trying to trying to establish how best to look after those kinds of records um, and make sure they're accessible for the future. How do you spend an average day in your role then? Uh, <laughs> yes, it, it's, um, it's very varied actually because it really depends on, on, what, on what's going on. I'm regularly on the, well when we're open, of course we're not actually open at the moment due to, due to the current situation, but um, when we're open I'm regularly on the library desk talking to our members um, and answering any questions that they have or working in the archives, looking at, at various projects um, to do with um, opening up the archives for researchers. Um, answering inquiries, um, but also doing all that kind of planning and um, and also managing our team. We've got a great team of people working in the library and archives collections. So there's um, there's actually eight of us all together. Oh wow! So who accesses the collection and what are they looking for? It's really varied. So our, for our library collections, it's mostly it's mostly members of the IET, so working engineers who are looking to update their subject knowledge. Um, but for the archive collections, it's probably mostly not people who aren't members, um, academic researchers, but also people perhaps researching their family history, um, who, who might have had um, family members who are members of the IET, um, or people looking at the, um, the history of engineering technology specifically, but also people looking at social history. We've got some great collections, including the archives of Women's Engineering Society and the archives of the Electrical Association for Women, but are actually really interesting for social history um, because it shows how engineering actually had a had an influence on on our on our lives um, and um, specifically on the, looking at the history of electricity in the home um, and how the electrification of our kind of daily lives kind of affected um, you know 
really how we how we live and work today it sounds like um because obviously you you mentioned that there's modern engineers and, and things like that who access your collection would you say it's quite similar to maybe um uh the, the british medical uh, association is it or um the royal institution of architects would you say it's sort of a similar collection in that sense like subject matter wise um perhaps not necessarily but i think in terms of scope i mean institutional archives are already interesting because they tend to be really mixed um because rather than being a, a specific kind of um, material that was collected for a specific purpose it tends to be things that the the institution has kind of gathered together over the years, um, either through donations or acquisitions or from records that they've created themselves. Um, so this is why we've got actually not a massive collection, but a really varied collection in terms of content and format. So it, yeah, it probably would be similar to um, to those kind of society collections that perhaps have a little bit of everything, you know, from libraries. Um, kind of rare book collections, archive collections, modern collections, and also bits things like clocks and silverware and paintings and all those <laughs> other things that tend to be part of institutional collections as well. Because the Institution of Engineering and Technology has been a few things, a few things have merged together, is that right? Yes, so it's, it's a multidisciplinary institution. We started off as a Society of Telegraph Engineers um, back in 1871. So specifically looking at people working in that kind of early Victorian communications um, field. Then we became the institution of, no, actually first the Society of Telegraph Engineers and of Electricians for a very short period of time, which is good because it's a long name. Um, and then we became the institution of electrical engineers. But we've um, joined together with various engineering institutions over the years, including in 2006, the Institution of Incorporated Engineers. And at that point, the IET, the Institution of Engineering and Technology, was formed. So have there been a few collections that have all been brought together then? Yes. So the IIE collections, but also the Institution of Electronics and Radio Engineers. So we've got some radio engineering collections there and the Institution of Production Engineers. So some of that, that more kind of production and control engineering collections too. Um, and also we've had connections um, that have been deposited with us and donated. So um, another great thing about institutional collections is that rather than just being having corporate records, you also get collections that have been and collected perhaps by your members and then donated to the institution. So two of our rare book libraries came via our members, but also um, personal records of members who were perhaps working on those really big engineering projects of the 19th and 20th century, like the telegraph, but also um, radar, um, communications, wireless, and so on. Presumably, um, the institution has a very UK-focused um, you know scope but do you do you have other international organizations that you connect with well um interestingly the IET has been a ha had the members outside the UK from really really its formation so um we, we've always had members who've been who've been living and working outside the UK and we have a global membership today so um we have over 160,000 members on in um however many countries I can't remember the exact number but <laughs> certainly around the world um, and we have local groups and networks around the world um, and one of the things that we're actually doing at the moment um, as part of our upcoming anniversary celebrations is to document the work of the IET 
um, globally, which is something that um, we don't have a huge amount on in the archives um, at present, but we'd really like to encourage our members to to, um, to let us know what's going on in their parts of the world and to possibly um, donate collections with us. So you're looking to expand your archive with um, donations from from members? Yes. Yes, absolutely. So, so talking with, with some of our local groups who operate, operate outside the UK um, and actually trying to get a better understanding about what the, what, um, the developments of engineering look like in those, in those parts of the world. Um, because, um, because otherwise, you know, we, we, are, we are a global organisation um, and um, the collection should reflect that and not to be entirely UK focused. What kind of things are you hoping to get? Um, well, quite a lot of um, stories about people are, are always are always interesting. Um, so, you know, when we look at the history of engineering technology, we we, we know what we know. You know, we we we, um, we know um, the, the the stories that we normally tell about about the history of engineering, about the history of the IET, and about the key members who were involved in um, forming the IET and um, and in you know, obviously taking part in those massive and, and important engineering projects. Um, but we don't know everything, um, and so part of it is actually going back over our own collections and finding new stories and new people and new ideas, but also talking to our members who are far more expert than we are in this area, um, to say, you know, who are the people in your areas that, that you really want to celebrate um, when it comes to the history of engineering and technology? So you're 150 years old in 2021. Yes, that's right. Are your hopes for the future? What's your hope for uh, your 200th anniversary? What direction do you want to go in? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I mean, the IET in general for our, for our 150th anniversary um, is really focusing on the future and focusing especially on kind of getting young people into engineering um, and into engineering as a career. So a lot of our anniversary activities are around um, you know, going outside the bubble, kind of widening those kind of perceptions of, en of engineering. I mean, people might have an idea about what an engineer is and, and decide it's not a career for them. And actually, it's a really wide-ranging area and, um, and involves a lot of different skills and a lot of different kind of um, people kind of working together. So, um, so that, that is very much a focus of, of the anniversary activities. And when it comes to the library and archives, um, I mean, I would hope that actually in, in, in 50 years' time, the collections you know, look really different and we've really expanded um, our collections looking at the uh, attention and technology kind of beyond what we, what we already talk about really. So um, it would be great to have more international um, kind of items in our collection. Um, and it would also be great to just to, to improve our, our own knowledge of, of the IT's history and, and of the records that we have. Um, so, I mean, anniversary is always a great opportunity to look backwards and forwards. Um, and we're certainly um, kind of doing our best to do that, um, and, and I'm particularly excited because we are trying to do this in the community history project where we reach out to our members um, and to our, our volunteers um, and to researchers to say, you know, let, let's look at look at the history of engineering and technology differently. You know, what what kind of things um, might come out there, and we don't know what those are, which is really exciting. So um, we could actually um, end up going down completely different paths that we that we can't really see at the moment. What projects are you working on for the foreseeable future then? So uh, we're, we're starting a, a community history project with some of our local networks, um, encouraging them to, to document the history of their own, um, their own groups. Um, we're um, putting together some um, exhibition content looking at the history of the, of the IET. Um, 
and we're also kind of looking again at the, at, at the IT's history to produce some um, really good digital content. Um, so um, to, to look at digitising some of our collections um, and um, producing some some resources um, for pe that people can use when we're looking at the history of engineering technology. Are there any particular challenges that come with managing this collection? Because you've got your members accessing it, you've got outside members accessing it, and you've got, obviously it's come from a variety of different organizations that you've now amalgamated into. Um, mm -hmm. What is the most sort of, what are the most difficult things you come across? Um, I mean, copyright's always an issue uh, because, I mean, as it's coming with a lot of archives, especially some of our older collections, so perhaps the, the, um, the intellectual property and, and where, where that effect sits isn't always entirely clear. So if we have a photograph, for example, in the collections and we don't know who took it, um, we, don't, we, we might not only have a vague idea about the date, um, and you know, we might know the subject matter, but, but that, that's really as far as it goes. If you then want to digitise that collection and publish it ourselves, um, on the website or perhaps use it in social media. We have to be very careful about ensuring that um, we're not breaking any, any copyright um, uh, concerns, but also that we do, we do as far as possible um, you know, recognise where, where that photo has come, or at least try and find out where, that, where that's come from. Um, so I think that's in common with a lot of archives, that you know, where, we, where we take collections in now, we, we ask all sorts of questions about where they've come from and who owns the rights and so on. Um, but, you know, kind of 20, 30, 40 years ago, we probably didn't do that. So we're, we're having to retrospectively try to, try to work out um, where, where that sits, really. What, in your opinion, is the most interesting item that you have? Oh, okay. Um, Just in your own opinion, what do you what do you take a fancy to? Uh, my personal favourite is from Rare Books, and it's a uh, a treatise called um, from the of Geometrica, and it dates from 1598, and it's a treatise on surveying, um, and it has the most amazing pictures of um, not only only surveying instruments. Um, but also of surveyors kind of out and about, um, kind of doing their work. Um, and it's really, really interesting from all sorts of perspectives. You know, obviously the, the, the instruments they're using are great, um, the pictures look great, um, but also because um, a lot of the time it looks weird to modernise because the perspective is all, is all, is all out of whack. But it, sh but it shows people actually using technology to do a specific job. Um, you know, and even though the, the, the clothes are very different and the, and the illustrations are different and the equipment's different, that's pretty much what, 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 what engineers are, are still doing today. So 1598, is that your oldest item then? No, our oldest item is actually a manuscript um, from the um, late 14th century, which is uh, Chaucer on the um, astrolabe and um, Peter Peregrine on the magnet. Um, which is, a, which is a, a really fascinating document. Um, Peter Bergwijn's on the Magnet is um, the first treatise in Europe to really look at the magnet in a scientific way. Um, it, that again has got some really good illustrations in it. Um, and although Chaucer on the asteroid is not his best known work, um, it does have a really interesting introduction when, where Chaucer is talking about 
how important it is to get scientific texts in English, which in the late 14th century is not an easy sell. So, um, so if they would say, you know, if, if, you're, if you're English, you should actually be able to have scientific texts in English so that you can understand them, not in Latin. Oh, that's really interesting. Um, you, I, I know from, um, from school, there's a focus of getting people who wouldn't necessarily consider engineering as a career. Um, so obviously, you know, in Chaucer's time, that would have been maybe a certain class of people. But nowadays, it's women, really. Do you do a lot of outreach and things like that? Well, I mean, it's the focus of the whole of the engineering profession at the moment, just to inc you know, inc encourage and, and improve diversity in engineering. So we want people to become engineers, um, but also we want people to be able to see themselves in engineers and see that as a, as a career that they could practically do. Um, and one of the things that we've, we've been working with, with, with quite a few partners um, over the last few years is looking again at the history of women in engineering. I mean, since really probably about 2015, 2016, um, when we first started talking about this, working with the Women's Engineering Society, um, University of Leeds, I've done a huge amount on here. Um, there's a project that's um, just finished now called Electrifying Women, which is looking at the, at the, the long history of women engineering. Um, there's been a fantastic book um, called Magnificent Women and Their Revolutionary Machines that was published by Henrietta Heald. Um, and it's been really exciting because that's probably about five, five, six years ago when we talked about women engineers in the archives, we probably would have talked about maybe half a dozen. Um, you know, the same names would have come up again and again. Um, not because we didn't want to talk about women engineering, but those are the people we knew about. Whereas there's been, over the last few years, there's been a huge amount of research, most of which done by volunteers, not by us, um, to really look into the history of women engineering. And there's been a project that's been spearheaded by the Women's Engineering Society for their centenary, encouraging um, the addition of um, articles on Wikipedia. So adding new biographies of women engineers onto Wikipedia. And um, they've now added, I think, over 300. So we've, we've gone from six <laughs> to hundreds um, in a fairly short space of time. And that's all about using the collections that we have um, and using kind of um, other records to research women engineers. And we found once we started looking for those women engineers, there were lots of them. So, um, you know, I think that, that really shows you how important it is to, to keep archives, but also how important it is to keep looking at them and never to assume you know everything about a collection, because actually somebody else can look at that collection with a different perspective. You're going to find a lot of different things um, and really new, new, new information as well. So, and that's open to everyone. I mean, the, the Journal of the Women's Engineering Society, founded in 1919, the oldest engineering society for women in the world. Um, and that's now online, thanks to a crowdfunded project, um, which was spearheaded by WES. And um, that's accessible to everybody. It's accessible via our website and the WES website. And anybody can go on there and, and search um, and look for people. Um, and there's a great index to it as well, so you can see, see who's there. But it's a fantastic source of information. You know, there are... Um, biographies of, of women engineers, there's news of engineers, so saying that so-and-so has just been elected to membership of a certain organisation or has just got a new job. You know, there's articles by women engineers explaining what it's like to work in different sectors. You know, it really is a fantastic source. Um, and, be, and moving to work more digitally now as we do, um, 
it means that, that a, a far greater number of people can actually access that collection and use it to really, to really change the historical record when it comes down to it. So can the general public access that via your website? Yes, so if you go to the IT Archive website and then our, um, it's actually on, on the main IT Archive page, it's also accessible via our Women Engineering Exhibition um, and it's accessible, it's accessible, accessible I should say, um, via the Women's Engineering Society as well. Just search for the Women Engineer, the digitised journal, it should come up. So that's another organisation you've teamed up with for this project. Do you yes, team up with anyone else? Do you lend out your collection or anything like that? Or is it all on site that people have to visit you? Um, well, we work with other, with other um, organisations wherever we can, because um, especially looking at, at, um, at things that are, that are opening up the collections, because only a, really a small number of people can come and look at the collections where they are. So, um, for example, we loaned one of our items to the Science Museum for a recent exhibition on the sun. Um, which is um, which is actually an artifact rather than rather than an archive, but it's um, a, a selection of selenium bars that was used by one of our early members to demonstrate. He was the first person to demonstrate the photoelectric properties of selenium, which is the start of solar power generation. But it's also the start of of consensus um, and and eventually things like film cameras that, that use um, electrical um, uh, impulses to to, um, to to generate images and so on. So. Um, so yes, so that, that's a, it's a particularly interesting kind of um, piece of kit, um, and that's still on loan to the Science Museum for that exhibition, which is, unfortunately, it was due to, to go on an international tour, but um, some of those plans were, of course, scuppered um, yeah. by the pandemic. So, um, so it, we're still waiting to hear what's going to happen with that particular exhibition. But um, we do try to do that as much as possible because, you know, we do have these amazing collections, and we should work with as many people as we can to make them accessible to, to as many people who, can, who are interested in the subject. I will definitely have to port my, my dad in the direction of your uh, website. I'm sure he'll be very interested. He, uh, he does um, mentoring for some engineers. I'm sure he'll be very interested in uh, the women's section. He always wanted me to do it. Um, <laughs> quite a disappointment. Um, is there anywhere else you want to point people in the direction of? Um, I think just just go have a look at the IT archives, the catalogues online. You know, have a have a search around and, and see see what's there. Um, we've also got an active um, Twitter account, which is um, uh, IUT Libarc, um, where we where we try and um, and promote our collections and uh, and and images from the collections as well. Mm -hmm. So um, and you know, get in touch if you're interested in the history of engineering technology and want to find out more. Do you have any events planned for the 150th anniversary or are they a bit on hold at the moment to see what happens? Well, I don't want to say anything too detailed at the moment. <laughs> we don't really know. Um, but we, we, are, we are planning some big celebrations, um, both in terms of events and also in terms of kind of getting digital content out there as well. Perfect. Thank you so much for a great speech to me today, Anne. It was really interesting hearing about all the work you do. Um, and, and not a very well-known institution, if you don't mind me saying, but um, certainly doing wonderful work. Thank you very much. No, it's, it's, uh, it's great to have the opportunity to talk to you. Yeah, thank you very much. Cheers. Okay, bye.